Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast of Globalize Asia. Our guest today is an entrepreneur who has raced through the ranks of the corporate world, working in diverse sectors from banking to media to eventually now managing various businesses and initiatives across the UK, Asia and African corridor. An enigmatic personality originally from Kashmir who has made London his home. Let's hear from Taha Koban Kutte about his personal and professional life so far and some of the brilliant ventures he is involved in. Taha, thank you very much for joining me today on Globalization. We understand you're a man of, as you, as you yourself say, you know, jack of all trade. You have hands into too many businesses and initiatives and advisory role. Let's start, uh, you know, let's take you back to India. You know, paint us a picture. Beautiful Kashmir Valley. You're coming from Kashmir. How was the life for you in Kashmir? Um, well, let me begin by greeting the people who, who are going to listen to us. So, Salaam Alaikum, Namaste, Wanakam, good evening, people out there. Um, going back to Kashmir, my first memory is of 1981, when I was only three years old. And the memory is of my sister being born. And I'll tell you, um, I haven't spent a more beautiful time in my life than being in Kashmir. Um, I might get a bit emotional in between because uh, these are memories uh, which can never fade away. Um, it's it's really heartbreaking to what's happened there and you know I was only about 10 years old when I had to leave home and I've never spent more than maybe a month in Kashmir since 1990 August. Our, our our days were beautiful. We were we were going to a school which was a convent school, Burn Hall, and um, I am friends with people from my school till today. I am in touch with them wherever they are in the world, whether they are in India, whether they are across the globe. Um, from there, I was sent to a boarding school in Dehradun, uh, Wellam Boys, which is the second best part of my life. And I'm very thankful to my parents that they sent me to a boarding school like Wellam Boys. It changed my life. It made me the man I am today. I'll be honest with you, whichever college, university I went to, nothing could have changed me the way Wellam Boys did. So I have great memories from my school. Uh, I have great friends, again, who I'm in touch with uh, all over the world, including India. And... Even today, you know, uh, when we meet with our spouses, our spouses refuse to sit in the same room because they say you're back in school and talking about the same thing over and over and over again. And it just doesn't go out of your blood. That's what a boarding school does to you because your friends are not just your friends. They're brother, sister, parent, whatever you want to call them because you are spending 24 hours with them of every single day. And we, we, we were together in school with with our breaks, I would say about eight and a half months. And if you're spending eight and a half months with someone for 24 hours, you know, that's like your wife. So I would say, yes, uh, again, a beautiful memory. Um, then I did my graduation from Delhi, postgraduate from Noida, MIT, graduation from Shahid Bhagat Singh. Um, and while I was studying graduation, postgraduation, my mother had a business in Lajpatnagar in Delhi. Okay. And I used to help her with that. And that's where you can say that street smartness started coming into me because at a young age of 18 years, I started meeting people in business and especially in a place like Delhi, you have to be, you have to be very careful. So um, that happened and then 
all of a sudden one day i realized you know i don't think i'm meant to be in india i i always had a passion of traveling um, i've traveled within india while i was in india and i wanted to travel the world right. while being in india right. so the idea came that i should come to london and pursue a masters in business administration which in a way was i would say blessing in disguise both ways because the university the college i went to i was i was i, I went to an agent in delhi you know how agents can con you into things so i went to a very poor college in london to so to say but um again you know things change you and yeah. i came here i made connections again and my friends were here from india from amity and after i graduated one of them introduced me to a to his uh, colleague at icici bank okay when they came here in 2000 in london in london right. when they came here in 2004 so in 2004 after going through about five interviews with them uh, i was the first indian to be recruited by icici bank in the uk and i was given charge of birmingham leicester coventry and wolverhampton as a city uh icici used to have a india banking service at that time right. so i had 22 branches of lloyds with who they had the partnership they were they were under my belt this is um, retail banking this is retail banking and while doing this somehow citibank got the whiff and you know they they poached me from there after 8 months um which wasn't a good move if you play chess you will understand um i spent about 3 weeks with citibank in their birmingham office and i just realized that banking wasn't meant for me anymore so did you move to birmingham from london yes i did point? i right. did i did i okay. i was stationed in birmingham for 8 months right um with city yeah it was just about 3 weeks i was took it a again a retail banking with city it was more to do with wealth management right okay so high net high net worth right. individuals and all those kind of people um so i kind of you know took a break for about Six months. I thought to myself, let's travel again, let's start afresh. So I I went to Poland and I spent about two weeks there and learnt uh, another about another culture, about another country. Polish people hadn't seen Indian people there before. I went to a very small town called Wrocław, and when we entered the supermarket, people were looking at us as if we were aliens. Um, the only company there at that time was uh, Videocon. They were producing their televisions there. uh by anyhow i mean i came back to the uk and at that time i had some friends in bombay who acquired a company a, a media company in soho and they took me out for dinner one night saying you know uh, we've acquired this company we really don't know people in the uk and you know it's something is something of interest to you sure. i said i have no clue about media you know but um at the same time i wasn't av- averse to learning a new thing mm. so i jumped into it and believe it or not the first 6 months were like going back to university i had to learn everything yes. from scratch because uh it was a very tech based uh, media company so you can say that if i didn't know laptops or pcs at that time after 6 months you could talk to me about servers and cloud at that time yes, which is yes. very common now yeah. but you know at, i'm talking about 2007 2007 by the summer i was in i was i was like championing uh, tech in the in the media space at least you can blag it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can because because i think that you know that reminds me of when i when i did my mba my first job was into electric cars no clue about electric cars i'm a civil engineer by my graduation and then moved into 
Cisco. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's jump. Understanding that's jump. servers yeah. and you know all that bit, which again, as as you said, you know after six months you understand a lot of telecommunication and you try to blag it your way True. through a communication True. and then banking. So you know your life kind of gives you a lot of flavor of my career moves as well. So it's interesting. Yeah. No, no, Sorry to disturb yeah. you. But no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's that's a good observation there. So. Um, just to add a little bit to the media bit, I uh, so me and my team, we were the first people to design a digital asset management system in the UK, and which actually then graduated into a graduated into a media asset management. So digital asset management system. Just to explain to your listeners, is when you have still pictures and stuff, you you know digitize them, meta tag them, add the details, and right. boom, it goes online. So then we uh, started doing moving images. So, you know, our clients were like Paramount, um, Universal, Imperial War Museum, uh, the Moving Library, British Movie. This is a startup company. No, this is not a startup company. This is uh, actually a company, acquired company company in Soho. So this was already doing all this stuff. And, you know, we just came in and added more wherever we could. So, you know, kind of fast forward to, say, 2013, again, you know, I woke up one morning, decided, you know, I think things have come to an end. I should start something new. So 2013, March, I again took a break for about six months. And I wanted to, you know, talk to myself and see what is this, what is the best that I can do again. So this is where the networking bug came along. And I started going to networking events, started meeting people. Were you married by then? Uh, yes, I was. Okay, uh, so you very conveniently skipped that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there is a good part to it, there's a bad part to it. I got married in 2008. That was my first marriage. Uh, so the I financial got... crisis happened probably <laughs> because of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, my first marriage, does. I don't have good memories of it because obviously it, I ended up in a divorce. Right. Uh, but then my, my current wife, Erin, who I met and, you know, I love her to bits and... Uh, she again changed my life. She gave me another perspective to life, which was that I, I, this is something I learned from her and I cannot forget till today. And I tell people, I have told my family, my friends, what I learned from her is that till the time you do not ask a question, how will you know the answer? Right. So do not keep things to yourself. Always, always, always ask the question and contest if you are not convinced on that note i have to ask you a question on, sure, on your do. last name which please. is very interesting because a lot of double barrel last name are you know you would see that with the female yeah. names but obviously you have taken over yeah. uh, your wife's name as well and your wife has taken over your name so tell us a story about that i mean that's quite interesting to me personally true 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 um well the story behind it goes like this that um you know, uh, as a Muslim, when you get married, when you do the nikah, yeah. nikah is actually a contract between a man and a woman. And the nikah says, and this is where I try to educate people about Islam and Muslims, that the nikah says that a man and a woman are 50% partners in whatever they do in life. Right. When you marry a girl, it doesn't mean that she wears a burqa and sits in the house and cooks and bears your child. No. Right. What it says is, you give her every chance to do what she wants to do. And you share everything with her in the capacity of a partner and a husband. And that is what I've done. I told my wife that, you know, I will take your name behind my name because you're my partner. And as a partner, I just don't want you to take my name. Let's do it both ways. I take your name and you take my name. So it's a 50% partnership. And that's how I display it 
to the world and to my child that you know be fair to people right women empowerment is something i'm very passionate about i have always seen very strong women in my family and uh, that's where i've learned it from and my family gives equal rights to women i mean uh, if you look at the women in my family they are as successful as the men are so i've learned it from there and i'm trying to display it i'm a very practical person when it comes to life i like to display things i like to lead by example right. and i will not go profess something which i cannot prove or give an example about right. so this is my example to well, that's, people that's brilliant but but so just to give you viewers the name so it's taha koben okay my full name is taha islam koben kute okay so islam is my middle name right and koben kute now is my surname right and your kid's name so so my kid is rafi and right. his full name is rafi taha koben kute so if he in future gets married and he'd go with the same logic the name is never going to end it's becoming south indian names or exactly <laughs> so you know this like the south indian the airlines had to change their reservation systems because of the south indian name so you know i don't yeah. know which generation of mine will drop a yes, name here yes, or there yes. but i will always encourage my well, it's a lovely thought i think it's yeah. it's a very very interesting thought but yeah coming back to your um uh, when when i uh, interrupted you about sure. your six month break that sure. you took sure. uh, so yeah. let's let's you know revisit so, that so yeah Sorry. so i started networking and i started meeting people obviously i was networking while i was employed and you know i met a lot of people i love to interact i love to make friends and sometimes you know again my wife uh, you know she will tell me that there's there's a fine line between a colleague a client and a friend why do you call everyone a friend because i think it's an indian culture it's an indian thing yeah. you know it's an indian thing you meet someone and you say oh he's my friend yeah, yeah. but yeah i have started to draw that fine line now and you know i'm trying to make sure that i call a client a client a colleague a colleague and yeah. a friend a friend Uh, but going back to the networking part and that is where i saw this gap in the market i look uh, um, i was a part of the indo british trade council i brought in the agricultural minister from kashmir in 2011 and that is where i started noticing but how did you have access it's just a thing i mean it sounds very easy yeah to have some someone in such a elite you know um, government institution to just bring him here how do you have access to those kind of individuals in terms of getting a getting them i don't know if it could be that you know you have a good political background or in the in in the family but just to give a flavor because a lot of people wants to start a venture and people like uh, influential people like these kind of you know uh, crowd pullers in a way so how did that happen for you for the first so um basically i mean yes uh, my family is uh, politically very connected in kashmir and i belong to a political family even before partition um but going back to the agricultural minister of kashmir who who who's who was uh, gulam hasan meer at that time so what happened was my brother in law owns a cold storage in kashmir which is the first cold storage chain uh, he brought that was his innovation um so through his connection i reached out to right. the agricultural minister saying what we are doing here in the uk in leicester especially and you know we want to promote kashmir in the uk right. and is it something you know up your sleeve and would you like to come and i explained everything in detail to him okay. and which was appealing and then he right. accepted the invitation and he came so what on. was the agenda of that venture so the venture was uh, it was with the indo british trade council um and it was all about food and drinks in leicestershire midlands area how they wanted to export and import goods okay. from all over the world now if you see kashmir is one of the largest producers of apples in the world 
uh, and also apple juice and so the minister you know he had a vision he thought you know maybe i will go there and make the connections and maybe we can export apples and what not you know like the rasma we produce is one of the best in the world dry fruits are really yeah. good in kashmir so in my opinion you know kashmir is a virgin territory it has never been investigated into what can be exported out of kashmir right. it's not just the weather is amazing i mean i was there the last time and someone came up to me and said that you know why don't you put a data center in kashmir i said i don't have a problem putting a data center in kashmir i know where the broadband is being dumped but the problem is the last mile connectivity yeah. and if you cannot give me the last mile connectivity i can't get airtel or anybody else saying you know start a data center in the uk yeah. oh, sorry in in kashmir uh, so anyway going back to the networking and then realizing the gap in the market there are a lot of asian associations in the uk but what i realized was most of these asian associations are one man show and i wanted to create an asian asian association which was just not a one man show but it was an army and hence uh, i came along with the idea of middlesex asian business association in 2014 right 2014 as luck would have it the first member was hitro airport they were talking about the hitro expansion at that time they called us in they wanted support towards the third runway we gave them the support everything happened everything clicked and so fell in the right place it's a giant kind of a client for you i mean for someone who's starting was it was it were you already established in the market people knew your like what you are bringing to the table people knew me but yes middlesex asian business association was just a startup right so sometimes it is the people in the organization yes. drive the organization to a level and i suppose that's what happened with right. middlesex asian business association and to add to it you know john holland ke actually took me out for dinner to thank me for the work we did for them okay. and the motto of our organization is we do not charge money first we deliver and then we oh, okay. request for money we do not ask up front that's interesting and um, then you know uh, there was a big election in india the whole the whole euphoria about what happened then uh, we had the regional pravasi divas in, in in the uk um I was then recruited by a organization called Gopio which is global organization of people of Indian origin and in 2 weeks time they said you know you have to deliver a conference in London because of the regional pravasi that there was happening here anyway I pulled all the strings I did whatever I had to do and we pulled up a excellent conference in Montcalm Hotel in Mar- Marblach seeing the success of that as if you need to organize an event or yeah. you have to like no no no, no. organize the whole oh, event okay. you know call oh, wow. in the guest you call in the in speakers two in two weeks yes yeah. well done yeah. <laughs> yeah so seeing the success of that the ministry of external affairs uh, called us in and they said we would like to sign a memorandum of an understanding with you about sharing uh, bilateral trade databases businesses and all that uh so the first pravasi divas happened in uh, sorry the 100th pravasi divas happened in ahmedabad gandhinagar um we signed the mou in the presence of the then prime minister's diaspora champion preeti patel okay um and then from there on things just took off and we were signing mous left right center i will fast forward straight to 2016 because there's a lot of stuff which happened yeah. in between and a lot of stuff with the african continent happened in between but is that when you rebranded your no i'm coming to the okay. rebranding so we worked with rwanda in 2014 15 we then then my membership started saying to me tahab you know you're limiting yourself to middle sex people do not realize what a powerhouse you become because you you know you're keeping yourself to a geographical limit of middle mm. sex you need to change your name you need to bring something out 
So then we took a very informed decision of renaming, rebranding ourselves as UK Asian Business Council. Mm. Uh, uh, so with my team, we rebranded ourselves on 9th of January 2016 in a mini Pravasi Divas uh, function held at the Indian High Commission. Uh, we were again invited to have an interaction with the Ministry of External Affairs in the morning, uh, which was done by a web conference. And in the evening, we rebranded and relaunched ourselves with the then uh, Deputy High Commissioner Virinder Paul. Um, mm. And, you know, from there on, again, there's no looking back. Um, we started working with, uh, with Cameroon, uh, Uganda, Kenya, South Africa, Mozambique. So these are the African countries which all of a sudden realize the power we have. We've taken two delegations from Uganda to India. Mm. We have done two health summits with Uganda. We've done two trade summits with Uganda. We've done three trade summits with Rwanda. So the list is endless from here on. Right. So just, just for, from, from my understanding, is so <clears throat> what you're doing is you're becoming this quality gateway in sitting in London or UK. Uh, you are bringing opportunity business opportunities for Indian diaspora uh, well Indian businesses who wants to grow uh, either in uh, Africa UK or the other way around where the African businesses wants to go and do businesses in India or the UK businesses wants to go and do business in India so you kind of sits in the middle and you pull the right strings and bring the right people talk to each other in a way is that so that's where your consultancy kind of yeah, so your understanding is correct, but let me let me rephrase it and tell you what exactly is UKABC's core core okay. business or service. So UKABC is promoting exports via services to connect diasporas of Asia and Africa, not just of India and a country in Africa. Okay. So we, we are not working just with India. We are working with countries like Nepal, Bhutan, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, sure. Turkey, all these, and we are not only doing business events. We are actually promoting cultural events also. Okay. So uh, just to give you a flavor of that, London Mela is a client of ours. Uh, International Diversity uh, event uh, Festival of London is a client of ours. So we have been promoting them for the last two right. years. Um, we have even promoted Bollywood. Um, so, you know, there are various things that UK Asian Business Council does. It's not just limited to businesses only businesses. Only. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. That's, uh, thanks for correcting that. No problem. <coughs> uh, I understand you also have... Uh, Future ventures coming up as part of your uh, UKBC startup, you have obviously connected with various, uh, as you said, networking, uh, various influential or business-minded people around the world. What's coming next for you? Is it expansion of UKBC, or is it going to be a completely different tangent to? Sure. The, uh, I'm sure you're not going to take another six months break <laughs> and figure it out as you've done in the past. So. Um, Actually, I'll just come back to my own personal company, and my personal company is called Monkey Consulting. Okay. And uh, and and uh, there is a reason behind naming it Monkey, Monkey Consulting right. Limited. Like you just smiled or laughed or smirked. Um, the the reason behind it was because I wanted to leave a name with people who they will never ever forget and relate to me. Okay. So. Whenever I say this, whether in person, on the phone, or wherever, whether it's in the email, it brings a smile to people's face. And they then never forget that Taha owns a company called Monkey, Monkey Consulting, Consulting, which is my personal company. I run my media business through it. Uh, I, that's my bread and butter. And on top of that, yes, we are bringing two new ventures very, very soon. Rather, one of them is already up and running. Uh, the prototype is ready. 
The company is called Preventive Care Limited. Preventive Care Limited is about this device that we have uh, innovated in the healthcare sector. Uh, what the device does is it measures proximity, humidity, and temperature. That's the first phase. So it's meant for old people to keep to you know plug it in their house, and their carers or their families will have app downloaded on their phone, and everybody can monitor their parents or whoever you know loved loved ones of their family. And it's not invasive because there's no camera, there's no mic. Um, we are employing artificial intelligence behind it to learn the patterns of people, you know, like waking up, making breakfast, doing whatever they do in their um, time when they're awake. Right. Even while they're sleeping, it's measuring the way they're turning. It's m- maybe they're waking up in the night to go to the bathroom. It's 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 measuring the time it's it's taken them to get out of bed, go to the bathroom, use the toilet, and come back. If this if there is a discrepancy, say this whole exercise took three minutes, yeah. and one night took them five minutes, so there is something wrong, and then it starts to analyze the situation and inform the carers, the family, if they have insurance, the insurance company, you know, there might well, be a fault. That's where artificial intelligence, intelligence is, in. Yes. Right. Same <clears> with the temperature. Same with the humidity. Even you know. Uh, we have the capability of telling you whether this room is lit right now or what is the light so like capacity. Like a heat signature kind. Yes. Some on those lines where yes. a mobility of an individual is kind of captured rather than the physical camera would what they would do. True. Right. So we have ultrasonic sensors in our device, uh, which doesn't get stopped by a wall or it doesn't get it doesn't get okay. stopped by any kind of uh, obstruction which comes in right. between and it measures the whole house not just a room right so you know it doesn't mean that if he's the if a person is in the living room we can't see them in the kitchen or we can't see them in their bedroom we can we can see the proximity of the whole house so that's version 1 the version 2 is going to be uh, measuring hypertension and diabetes through our systems so any time they take a measurement of their diabetes or uh, blood pressure again it'll ping on the phone of everyone <laughs> So the parents cannot lie. Yes, the parents <laughs> cannot lie to their children, saying I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Right. Uh, and the third version is more geared towards the hospitals and nursing homes. So we will be uh, measuring, you know, oxygen cylinders. Yeah. So let's say it drops to a level, we tell the people to change it. It drops to a dangerous level, and then you know the alarm sets off, right. saying you have to change it now. Ventilator monitoring, bringing human error to zero percent. Right now, a ventilator is monitored by a human. If a patient has a bell in his hand, imagine you have a cardiac yeah, arrest. Yeah. You're not going to press the bell. So all those things again, AI is employed behind learning what's happening in the ventilator. Right. Anything goes wrong, alarm bells will start ringing. Right now, a nurse comes, sees something is wrong, calls the doctor. Right. Take the take that all that communication out. Same for the care providers. Right now, you have a care provider who has carers running around in traffic. Somebody stuck somewhere. He's calling SMS, WhatsApp. Yes. No, all that is gone. You have a screen in front of your eyes. They have screens in their cars. Anything goes wrong. The carer was supposed to reach point A. This traffic can't do it. Our system informs the care provider. This is a situation. You have carer B right. at certain point who can reach in five minutes. So this carer is diverted. That carer is diverted to point A where right. you know they can. And the reach. product is a prototype. Is already it's passed pro- all. No, that. no, it's a prototype. Uh, we are we are giving presentations. We are seeking investment as well. So right. the go-to-market strategy is being devised right now. We are creating um, uh, some animated videos and videos of people using it. It's a plug-and-play system. Arrives right. in a box. You just plug it into a socket, right. and up you go. 
and you want to start with UK market? We are going to start with the UK market and uh, hopefully it will go pan-Europe. We are in talks with Life uh, Malta Life Sciences Park and we have an application gone through with them. And it right. could be that the company is registered in Malta to begin with because the kind of service they're giving sure. us from there. Sure. So that's preventive care. And then, uh, you know, while doing preventive care, I was again looking for something else because, you know, my mind doesn't rest. <laughs> so the next gap that I saw in the market was well, now we've connected the Asian and the African diaspora via the UK. So what is it that we can bring to the table? And then one day it clicked to me, why don't we start a news, online news channel or newspaper called like Asia. Digital content. Yeah, digital yeah. content, like yeah. Asia Africa Times. And I discussed it with my team. My team said, brilliant idea. And as soon as they said, brilliant idea, I registered the domain name. Uh, we, are, we are filling up news nowadays. I have recruited reporters in a few countries in Africa, a few countries in Asia. 7th of November is our beta test with a soft launch. We have the Bihar tourism minister coming and we are uh, uh, holding an event for him. And he will be inaugurating our, 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 our news uh, online news uh, portal with obviously the news of him coming to the UK and being here and all those. And he's doing a function in the House of Lords. All that will be reported. So that will be the headlines that okay. day and then you know we will have news from africa asia flowing in uh, we will have breaking in news breaking in news going in there we'll have news from the sports arena from the academics whatever we can cover right and this is going to be a 24 7 yes, online digital online. content yeah interesting yes. so that's like too many things happening in in your remit so to speak you know from consultancy within business aspect cultural aspect you have into healthcare. You're now into media as well. Do you, I mean, it's yeah, it's too much to take in, isn't it, for any normal nine-to-five going individual? Does that have a toll on your personal life at all, or do you think it's uh, they've lived, they, they expect that from you, knowing you? Know. I'll be honest about it. I will not let anything take a toll on my family life. Yes. Yeah. I go to late night events. Yes, I do have a lot of a lot of stuff on my plate, but I make sure I make time for my wife and my child. Um, you know, the first one who's asked me such a question that you have so much on your plate, how do you do it? And honestly, I I just do it. I don't know how I'm able to do it, mm. but I am on the go. You know, I you have your mobile phone today, which is your which is basically your office yes. in a way. So I have my office in my hand, and you know, I can I can do things. Uh, wherever I, is possible. I mean, the only place where you couldn't do anything was the plane, but now you have Wi-Fi in the plane too. Yes. So, you know, you can't tell people that I'm off the radar because I'm flying from, say, London to Delhi. But the thing with me is I have a passion for something in life. And that something is I want the Asian diaspora, the African diaspora to be spoken about. Right. Last week, I met a gentleman from the Muslim community. And this is where I come to my community. And I see the Muslim community in the UK is the weakest. It's the last on the ladder. Somalian Muslims, Pakistani Muslims, Bangladeshi Muslims are one, two, three from the bottom. Mm. And we had a chat about creating a think tank wherein we can call some educated progressive Muslims and then impart the knowledge. Right. And the first thing I've said to them is education. What lacks in these three communi communities is mm. education. Their children are not being educated. Mm. 
and if that's not given to them they will never progress yeah i i was a part of a certain organization i will not name it because i'm not with them anymore okay the first thing i did when i joined that organization was that i wrote a policy document and i said the quran should be taught in english or in a language that a person understands right so that the molvi cannot interpret the quran the way he or she understands that's a radical change to the the practice isn't it for for many practicing muslims like especially for quran is all arabic you know doesn't matter which country you're from you have to learn or read or pray in arabic so yeah let let, let me let me ask you a question let's say you had to learn everything in sanskrit yeah and i came and asked you a question about that i, particular I agree subject. with you i agree with you i'm i'm not saying what you did was no wrong. no it's not it's But, not for you what yeah. i'm trying to get at is <laughs> it is for the audience to understand and yeah. especially for the muslim audience to understand yeah. that if their children do not understand the quran they can be radicalized very very quickly right okay and it is to stop that radicalization there is this brand which has been created called the islamic terrorism yeah. the islamic extremism there is no nothing like that it is 1% of muslims not even one i would say 0.001% yeah. of muslims are bringing a bad name to this brand and that is what i say i when i started with the asians and africans and i'm focused right now to the muslims yeah, like, this is what i want to change i am waiting for that one leader to be born who can change the narrative of these right. muslims so um you know i whenever i do something i do it with passion yeah until the time there's no passion involved in these things what's the point you know what's the point of earning maybe 20000 yeah. pounds a month doing a 9 to 5 job being a robotic man there is a fine line there <laughs> when you have a political view or religious view to have passion involved in that to change that by you know by yeah. uh, logic logical yeah. statements yeah. so but on that note you know it's been a very interesting and you've been very honest and forthcoming and thank you very much you know it didn't feel like we're meeting for the first time you've been very honest and uh, thank you very much for sharing your moments and we wish you all the best with your new ventures thank you very much uh, and i'm very glad that you came all the way to interview me thank you very much for that thank you hope you enjoyed listening to this episode You can catch all upcoming episodes on the website globalize-asian.co.uk or via your iOS or Android devices. Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website. That's it for now from Gagan and Vatsala. Thank you very much guys for listening to our podcast. A quick shout out to our supporter for the podcast, Royal Beans. Royal Beans is a premium artisan chocolate brand operating out of the city of Bangalore in India. Currently they are offering Belgian chocolate bonbons infused with interesting flavors like cappuccino, masala chai, dark chocolate ganache, sea salt caramel and many more. Just visit their website on royalbeans.in and order for yourself or get it delivered to your loved ones in major cities across India. As a listener of a podcast, you are entitled to get 10% discount on the order value. when you use the code GLA10 at the checkout so go ahead and check it out